This is the Jocko Underground Podcast, number 72, sitting here with EC, Echo Charles, Echo Charlie, yes, sir. and me, Jocko Willink. So, thinking about military training and what is it that's good about it, and then I realized one of the things that's good about military training is the same thing that's good about sports. Same thing that can be good about school. Same thing that can be good about peer pressure in some cases, positive peer pressure. And that is you are forced in some cases to do more than you would ever do on your own. So what makes me think about this, you know, you think a 20-year-old, 18-year-old, a 22-year-old human. They go in the military, they are going to get pushed out of their comfort zone. They're going to do things. And not only that, they're going to be, they're going to, like if they're overweight, they're gonna lose weight. Mm. If they're underweight, they're gonna gain weight. Mm. If they're, I mean those physical aspects, they're gonna learn to pay attention to detail. They're, they're gonna have to. So they're gonna have to do these things. It's same thing with sports, right? You're doing two-a-days mm. in football. You're gonna get pushed. You wouldn't be doing, let's face it. And I used to say this about MMA fighters. There's like, two different levels, right? I, mm. Okay, if I'm by myself, I can push myself so hard, yeah. right? I can push myself to 70%. Mm. If I got my coach with me, my coach can push me to 90%. Now there is another 10% that only you can get to. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because you can fake your coach and be like, uh, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, there's yeah. like, a, the champion trains, look, let's face it, the champion can do all those things, just get to 100% output. Mm. But a normal human, they can get to 70%, their coach can get them to 90%, mm. and then they can dig out another 4%. If they're a champion, they can dig out all of it. Mm. But when you're in the military, you're gonna be doing that. You're gonna be giving 90% all the time. You're at two days, look, that last sprint, you didn't give 100%. You gave 92, but you at least gave 90% because your coach was there yelling at you, you had to. Yeah. So, once you do these things, when you're on your own, your discipline level has been raised. You realize there's limitations that you have and you realize that they come from you and you realize that you can overcome them. And the harder things that you are forced to do, the harder the things are that you're forced to do, the more things you're going to be capable of. And part of that reason is because you embrace it. And part of that reason is because you start to know what it feels like afterwards. Have you ever talked to me, hear, heard me talk about imposed def- discipline? Mm-hmm. Like occasionally, you gotta get someone to know how good it feels to do something. Yeah. You gotta get them in there. You gotta kinda make them do it. Yeah. So that they go, oh, okay. That, that, I feel good when I got done with that. You know, like the first time you get someone to do jujitsu, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, that was kinda cool. You had to make them do it, but then they kind of got into it. Mm -hmm. So there's that as well. Now, here's what you got to watch out for. Some people, when they leave the imposed discipline, they rebel against it. Yeah. Right? So they're like, I'm never doing this shit again. Yeah. There's people that, there's there's guys in the SEAL teams that once they get done with buds, they never want to go in the water again. (laughs) They're like, hey, man. I dig it. They get made to go in the water, and they say, no, no more water for me. They don't ever want to go in the water again. Yeah, that's an example, and it's an exaggeration. Mm. Like nothing, never. I'm never going. But 
They don't voluntarily. There's not too many guys that voluntarily go in the water a bunch once you get done with basic SEAL training. Mm. Look, there's some hardcore watermen, of course, guys that are just watermen in the teams. But there's some guys that are not, (laughs) and they don't want nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. So that's what happens. And you got to watch the same thing like uh, fighters this happens to. Fighters have been cutting weight their whole life. <laughs> Wrestlers that have been cutting weight their whole life. But yeah. the minute they get a chance and they're done with that career, yeah. they just blow up, get totally overweight. Yeah. Because they're, they're rejecting it. Some yeah. people, like, they'll stay in good shape forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, remember we had Gil on here? Mm-hmm. Yep. Gil Espinoza, SEAL. He wrestled in college. He's still he's 75 years old. Yeah. Looked like he was about 40. Mm-hmm. Still in great shape. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. He he maintained the discipline. He cut weight, you know, but he maintained the discipline. So the imposed discipline turns into self-discipline. And once again, it's once you learn what it feels like, once you learn that it feels good, then it really helps you. And even if you even if you don't learn that, like being in the military, you spend four years, formative years in the military, mm. where you have to get up in the morning, you have to work out every day, you have to learn things, mm-hmm. you you have to go to work. You can't just like, oh, I'm not going to go to work today. And then you end up with a big advantage because you've been through that. So that's the advantage of these different things that humans can live through. And again, you can find it in sports. You can find it in peer pressure. You know, you ever been peer pressured to do something and you're like so glad that you did it? Yeah. You know? Uh, if you're hanging around with the right people, that should hopefully be kind of regular. Yeah. You know, even if it's something as simple as like, get one more set, get one more sprint, get one more, you know, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Sports, hard practices, when someone's making you do stuff, when that imposed discipline, you learn about it, it can turn um, you into a better person. So keep that in mind. D- is there anything that you like don't like to do and kind of don't really do? Like actively avoid, not completely necessarily that, and it's you think it's because you were made to do it so much? Is there anything like that that you still have? Wait, what was I made to do? I don't know, anything. So like, you know how like, how you said, like in the middle of some people, they don't, they're like, yeah, like I went in the water so much that, you know, I don't like the water that much anymore. Like I don't have to do that anymore. So I'm never, never doing it anymore. Like the rejecting thing. Have you rejected any activity because it was imposed on you maybe too much for your liking? You can take this for what it's worth. I don't like putting on a uniform, even if it's like a suit and tie or whatever. Like yeah. I don't like that a lot. I avoid it. Do you think that's, do you think in the military when you had to do that, do you think that has an effect on how you feel about it now or did you always not like it? I didn't like it even when I was a kid, I don't think. So the uniform in the military had I've never been had a no sharp, you, like, you know what a sharp dresser is? You know what I mean? Like yeah, someone yeah, that like, yeah. cares about how they look? Hell yeah. I don't think I've ever been that guy. No, that makes sense <laughs> to me completely. Uh, yeah, but it had no, the military had no bearing on that. Cause you know, that the was imposed cool about on the military you. is they're like, oh, this is what you wear, yeah. you know, as far as, like, you know, like going to a wedding or sure. if you got to go wedding. to some kind of ceremony. Yeah. I know what I'm wearing, military uniform. Thank God I retired because when you retire, like I retired, I can still wear my uniform. Yeah. You know, you so I can just still wear. I'll lay it out for you. Yeah. Wait, but what I'm saying is, though, you know, how it was kind of, I mean, guess for lack of a better term, 
actually, this is a better term. It was imposed on you that you had to wear the uniform. Yep. Did Does that have, do you think, if you search your mental state, whatever, mm-hmm. did that have any bearing on how you feel about it now? Now, like, do you like wearing uniforms less, even less now? I think it's about the same. Same, right? I think I'm just not a uniform. I'm not really yeah, yeah. clothes. So it's not right? the same thing. Yeah, yeah. But like, like this one Seinfeld episode, this guy, Elaine, the girl on mm-hmm. Seinfeld, met this guy. He was a mover. You know, he's moving furniture and yep. stuff. So they went on a date, and he was like, oh, I'd bring you to my place, but I don't have any furniture. He was like, I hate it. Because he moves furniture <laughs> for a living. He sees too much furniture yep. all the time, you know, so he, like, hates it. It's the same thing, right? Yeah. There's nothing. So you don't have anything? Not really, man. I mean, other than, like, hey, have it to wear. But look at, like, haircut. You know, so many guys, when they get out of the teams, the first thing they do is, like, grow their hair long and grow a goatee. <laughs> you know, I don't really even care about that. Huh. I, I don't like facial hair, and I don't like, I mean, for me, I don't care what I, I don't care if you have a beard or whatever. Right, What's right. that thing you have? I don't know. I you have, like, called. a weird beard. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. No, I don't know what it is, it is, is right? Uh, it's like a line. Yeah. What's it called? I don't know. I've heard it called like a chin strap. Oh, okay. Something like (laughs) this. That's an appropriate name. So I don't care that you have that, but personally, it's not for me. Okay. Hair on the top of my head, I don't care if you want to have some. I don't know if you're physically capable of having some, but I don't want it. I rejected hair on the top of my head a long time ago. (laughs) Rejected it. Uh, uh, But. I don't care what you have, but it's just not for me. But a lot of times when they get out of the military, they want to grow that hair out. You yeah. know, they want to feel that. They're free. Feel that locks in the wind, you know? Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I don't think I have anything either. Mm. It's, but like, I'm so foreign when it comes to getting dressed up. Yeah. That it doesn't even really make a lot of sense to me where, <laughs> you know, where. It's not computing. Like, yeah, like people are like, oh, you know, I got a cool sweater. <laughs> You know, like I don't, or hey, this guy, this place sells really good suits. You know, I'm not, I'm not, it's hard for me to relate, you know? Yeah, I I dig it. Yeah, of course. That makes sense to me completely. Why is that? No surprise. What do you think I have? Where do you think that came from? Because I've always had it. Yeah, I don't know. You know, not only am I not a psychologist, you know that about me. But I don't know how you grew up specifically, so who knows? Mm-hmm. Maybe because you always been a freaking simple Simpleton. person, yeah. simple person, yes, tin, whatever. Like you don't have any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Like you don't have, I don't know, like all the extras or whatever. Like you're not a metrosexual either. What's that? Metro. <laughs> so I kind of know what it is, but yeah. I haven't heard it in a long time. Yeah, it's like a metro a guy who cares about his looks, yeah, and yeah, it's, no, you know, it's there's a me. softness to him, and uh, like you know, guys who are into like, um, you know, like their hair, like has to be <laughs> shampooed and conditioner. Yeah, they gotta the look good, dish. you know. They're gonna they're gonna wax everything. Gotta be, go tanning, like this kind of stuff. Okay. I'm I, I dig it. I dig the whole gig. You know, you dig try, it. They're trying to look. I'll put it this way. I respect it. No, you understand. There's a spectrum of different types of people with Mm -hmm. different types of interests and they present themselves in different kind of ways. And and I dig that. Um, I dig that there's that kind of variety. It's one one of the many things that make the world go around. Yeah. But, but do you understand it? Yeah. To a degree for sure. If like, yeah, if a guy wants to look good, like if you you were to hypnotize me, hypnotize me and we're like, okay, you know, now I was like just speaking my deepest truth. Sure. Yeah. And then you said, uh, like, why do you think people want a nice sweater from Macy's. The, the expensive store? Yeah. I would not be able to, like, conjure an answer. <laughs> I would just be like, 
Dude, I have not. If they said, hey, what, you know, why do you think someone, and I just, probably the closest I could get is it's cold outside, you know? Yeah, okay. Yeah, so that makes sense. Just pure functionality Functionality is kind of where it falls with me. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I understand that that's the way you think about it, but yes, there is a full deal of men metro or otherwise i mean look there's whole stores that are committed to selling people like stuff that they wear that has no functional value whatsoever oh yeah big time there's so, whole whole a whole like whole bunches of stores like where Sharper if you go image? to a mall sure no you go to a mall and you can go to probably four or five different stores mm-hmm. that have things in there for dudes to wear that are not functional for you for anybody so this is pretty much what it is. Here, I'm going to make you and everyone like you understand this. So you know how you have you have a oh, we'll go back to the military. You have an event, you got to look presentable, mm-hmm. right? You got to look presentable. Yep. You know what that means? In no, the military, I have right? a suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so, have a suit and right? like I have ties, okay. right? Okay. Perfect. But it's it's like okay, what ties do I want? The normal ones. Okay. Perfect. So presentable, you know what un in per, unpresentable? Not sure. presentable. You know what sure. that means? When you see it, you know what that is when slob, you see yeah. it, right? Slob and you can mm. name all the little different elements of it, okay. right? In detail. Then you have a spectrum up to presentable and you have minimum presentable, mm. then you have squared away. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Now, in the metrosexual world, there's levels beyond squared away. <laughs> See what I'm saying? It's levels that you, Jocko, don't have access to mentally. Yeah. See what I'm saying? But some of us are more refined. And I don't mean us like me. I'm saying some of us people. So go beyond squared away, right? Let's say you have a suit, mm-hmm. right? Your suit squared away yep. fits nice or whatever, but it could fit just a little bit more. That suit could fit your body a little bit more, better. Mm-hmm. Boom. That's the one level beyond. Or, hey, you could put on some cuff links to kind of bring out the XYZ in the XYZ part of your suit. Hmm. See what I'm saying? So these are all these extra elements that go above and beyond squared away hmm. into like, I don't know, beauty. That's one thing that's cool about the military. It's like, hey, this is what you're wearing. Yeah. You know? And then there's an individual element of it as well. Like me as an individual, I express myself through fashion or through whatever my parents. You do? No, I, no I'm saying mm-hmm. anyone, a, like person, a person. A person, yeah, yeah, exactly right. Same thing with the hairstyle. I was gonna say, because I know what you're expressing through your fashion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not me as a person, very little. Because I think you're kind of in the same boat as I'm in. Very much so. Yeah. Probably, there's some elements in there that I care about. You might throw on a, a something occasionally. There are certain things that I know you don't do that I do do, you know, for various reasons or whatever. Um, and, you know, I understand. And, it make totally makes sense, but yes, by and large, I think we're in the same boat. Yeah, I don't have a hairstyle. Mm-hmm. I don't have a. I don't have a bunch of fitted suits. Actually, oh, there you go. I th- okay. Back to the original subject, real quick. The stuff that um you know was imposed on you and mm-hmm. you don't like to do anymore. I I was like fuck. I don't think I have any of that from football because you right, say right. football. But you know what? I used to work in the nightclub and we had to wear a suit on the weekend. Mm. I don't like to wear a suit. Even because though I thought, that? no, I thought I got into it and, you know, got the tailor and got the good, oh, you know, the, the cuff links and I got kind of got into it. But after a while, it's like, man, when I didn't have to do it anymore, I was like, I'm not into this. I'm reject <laughs> mentally and emotionally rejecting suits currently There you go. until I got to wear another one. Take the good that imposed discipline can help you find your self-discipline. Yeah. 
it's true. I think when you impose it too hard, that's when people reject Definitely. it. Definitely. It's like a rubber band. You can stretch it the perfect amount, and boom, that recall is going to be perfect. See what I'm saying? You stretch, uh, you stretch it too much, but the thing is going to snap or, or get too stretched out and not going to recall as, as strong as you want. So that discipline, you want that imposed discipline, the perfect stretch. When you let that thing go, boom, that self-discipline is powerful. See what I'm saying? Because you see the benefits on a perfect ratio from pain to benefits. See what I'm saying? You just bring, you just want to bring that those benefits and that result with you. We're excited about this metaphor, aren't we? I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, the more we understand how this stuff works, the more we can hey, use it hey, in our in our hey, scenarios. So the levels high. We'll go with it. Over here. All right, We're let's trying. get to some questions. First question. Hi, Jocko. I play ARMA three. What is ARMA three? It's uh, uh, some kind of video game. Okay. I play ARMA3 and COD. Okay, I know what COD is. See, Call of Duty with yep. some friends I met online, but they act like I'm trash, constantly gang up against me and overall make me feel like shit. I don't get where I pissed them off or where I'm going wrong. They just don't respect me. <laughs> how, can I, how can I gain their respect? Okay. I understand. So uh, here's my options here. Number one option, or not, it's not the number, it's option A. Let's go A and B, and neither one is stronger. Well, you're going to see one of them is actually stronger. Uh, you could take time and dedicate to getting really good at these games so you can crush and destroy them. So you go and play in different, change your screen name and go get some <laughs> other skills playing against other people. Maybe, do they have classes, you think? You can get tutored or trained like a sensei of Call of Duty? You think there's such a thing? It I bet there's like, YouTube videos that you could learn how to do stuff better. Oh, yeah, 100%. Okay. That does so, sound like a cool So you job. go down that path, which is fine. Um, but that, again, that's an option. My primary option would be I would stop playing video games with these, with these people and really with anybody else uh, because I don't know what you're getting. Look, if, if this is the only time you get to socialize and it was during COVID or you live in a remote location in an underground bunker somewhere and there's no one to communicate with and this is your only way of interacting with other people, okay. But if not, go to the jiu-jitsu gym in your neighborhood and start training jiu-jitsu mm -hmm. and sell your video game machine and all your video games and go start training jiu-jitsu with other people. And then you're gonna meet a group of people that are cool and they're not gonna be able to just talk smack about you because you'll be right there and over time, if people talk smack about you, they won't because you'll be choking them. So, that's it, you know, pretty straightforward answer. Um, I, I get that video games can be entertaining, but you're not getting a huge amount of life benefit from playing video games. Like, practicing Call of Duty so that, you look, if you practice guitar, and you spend eight hours a day practicing guitar, at the end of the day, you're gonna be good at guitar. If you practice jujitsu six hours a day, at the end of the day, you're gonna be really good at jujitsu. That's a life skill. You pick, out a, you pick up a guitar at a campfire, bro, you're, you're king, you're king. And, and like, you're, if you're male and you're 20 years old and you pull out that guitar, you're gonna make some relationships with some females, which is a positive thing in your shoes. So if you play guitar, now you got a skill. If you learn jujitsu, now you got a skill. If you, hey, even if you start playing basketball, look, basketball, you could, you could claim or you could make the case that basketball is kind of a pointless skill to have or baseball or football. Mm -hmm. There's components of it though that are good, right? 
even the worst case you could make is like, hey, wh- why in life would you have to throw a ball through a net? No, but you're gonna get cardiovascular, you're gonna get strength, you're gonna get some plyometric strength, you're gonna get, you, there's some real good benefits from it. You're playing football, hey, how often are you gonna have to you know, team up with 11 guys in real life? You know, probably never, but once again, you're getting strength, you're getting conditioning, you're getting camaraderie with the team, you're putting yourself in pressure situations. So there's benefits to playing just real live sports. And sure, can there be some of that from a video game, some kind of mental pressure that you put yourself in if you're playing in the championships of Call of Duty? Yeah, there can be. There's legit benefit to that. But the much broader benefits will come from doing something physical. And then if you do something that's physical that actually earns you a skill, you're boxing, you're doing jiu-jitsu, you're playing guitar, those things are beneficial. And, and beneficial in IRL. You know what that is, Echo Charles? Yes, it's in real life. Yes, and and there's like levels to in real life. Yeah. Because jujitsu is the most beneficial for real life. So that's my recommendation. Dude, I know it's fun. I know the video games are fun. I've met people that are addicted to them. That's how fun they are. I've never really gotten into them. There is not really my thing. Part of the reason is because I never played one for long enough to be any good at it. Because mm-hmm. that seemed like, why would I be getting good at this when I could be good, good at something else? Yeah. So that's my recommendation, dude. Let's not hang out with these dudes. Let's not hang out online. Let's go get IRL in real life. <laughs> get in real life. It's true. Yeah, but I thought about that too, you know, when guys would be like playing basketball every weekend or something. And I'm, I'm thinking, wait a second, that is, that is good. That is better. Like, oh, basketball? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, and I'm not trying to denigrate like all active sports active sports if physicality is awesome and it's mental too right i mean we talk about the benefits of exercise you get done playing basketball you you feel mentally great oh you know you have a good good uh endorphins been released and and you're you're fired up dopamine's flowing yeah and you got cardio and you got strength and you know so it's all good yeah i never thought hand-eye coordination you did not come off as denigrating okay in fact you're Essentially, what I got from it is a real sport in real life that you're physically, you know, participating in is better than a virtual activity. Yeah, video game sport because yep. that's kind of what it is, right? Video game sport. But like, be, like you know, Doctor Luke. Yeah. Right. So he did a thing on balance, mm-hmm. like physical balance, like yep, yep. improving your balance or maintaining your balance or whatever. That has like direct benefits to you to like Alzheimer's and like all this stuff or whatever, yep. and anti aging, like all this stuff. Um. So it's like, oh, you kind of think about it. You playing basketball often is, okay, sure, you like the sport, good. And, yeah, we could be be saying kind of like how you exemplified where you're like, um, yeah, some people say, oh, yeah, it's just a ball going in and hoop. It's way more than just yeah. a ball going in and hoop. Hand-eye coordination. In fact, the ball going in the hoop and all that other stuff, that's kind of like, that's just incidental mm. almost when it comes to the actual benefits or whatever the case for. So first off, the physical part of it, biometric part of it, teamwork part of it, mm-hmm. the dopamine, not free dopamine, by the yeah. way, because you got to work for it and you, you, have to, you have to risk, you can lose, like all this stuff or whatever. So it's like the benefits of... Pick up basketball, which mm-hmm. doesn't seem like a big deal. It's a huge deal, oh, actually, yeah, compared to not doing anything. Yeah. yeah, the video game thing is is free dopamine is what it is. Mm-hmm. And the, it's it's actually, there's a, um, this is kind of a side note, there's a girl named Jane McGonigal. Pretty sure I got her name right. Anyway, she, so she does all this stuff where she, um, she does gamification for like rehabilitation mm-hmm. and all this stuff. So if you basically gamify something, make yep. it a game. Make it fun. Get that but, dopamine. Yeah, but it has, but it applies to your real life physical or 
psychological state, right? So if you're, you know, if you're getting out of depression or if you're, you know, doing rehabilitation for an injury or something like that, you gamify it. That's what she talks about. Um, So there's that element. But now you have a video game which doesn't apply to the real life. So you only get that, the dope, it's free dopamine. See what I'm saying? But you also mentioned this, the championships of Call of Duty. That's different. Yeah. Because it's kind of like the championships of like. Yeah, yeah. You're going to have pressure. You're going to have to plan and you're going to have to plot stuff. You got to train probably. Oh, yeah. That's that's different. Yep. So you're you're never good at A lot of free dopamine to get there though. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Well, actually, I would imagine that training anything, even if you really like it or whatever. Like, you know how these uh, competitive eaters, like they got to train too. Uh, Yeah. And training's not all that awesome for competitive eaters. Oh, it's disgusting. That's going to be pretty uncomfortable at the very least at some point. Mm, totally. Nasty. You ever heard of the game Tekken? No. It's too bad. That was the one I'm really good at. I haven't played in like probably 15 How years. How many hours a day did you play at your peak? Probably two maybe. Okay. Bro, there's people that pay uh, video games for like 10 hours a day, eight hours a day. So. Yeah, that, that that could never have happened. I always, uh, this was in high school yeah. and some college. But yeah, video so. games weren't as good yet either. Man, I th- yeah, you're right. So because like, I I was out of the video game world, yeah, but I see them now. Game. I'm like, damn, these are these go deep. Oh, they're freaking impressive. Yeah, yeah. The, but Tekken was good though. PlayStation One, two, three, and after that it kind of faded out. But Tekken is good. It's one of the, the fighter is games. This one with the super. What was that gun called? You called one time. Spreader. Was it called the super? What was it called? What gun? You talked about a gun that like killed everything. Oh, on um, Zanuck? No, that was the original uh, Nintendo Entertainment what System. What was the game? What was the gun called? It just had a number seven. But if you get like five, no, sevens. there was something that you it was like a move or something. Move like a it gun. wasn't super spreader. It was like super cleaner or something like this. You remember that? Maybe on Contra, if you got the spreader. Yeah, the so spreader. On super Contra the game. <laughs> okay, yeah. there you go. But that's the Nintendo Entertainment System as well. Yeah, see, I don't know what you're talking about. Brass, too bad, man. See the, the, actually, Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers, the OG original. Brass, badass at that, unbeatable. I'm impressed. Past the whole game, no warping, one man. What up? Good job. I'm telling you, people Next who know they're going to be impressed by that kind of stuff. Next question. I left. I left a bad work situation. Some faults of mine. Some mismanagement. A few months ago. And I'm trying to figure out how to address it when colleagues ask me what happened. I pretty strongly feel that my former supervisor shouldn't even supervise someone again. He's not outwardly mean or abusive, but has real Michael Scott attitude. Jocko, uh, narcissistic and petty. I think he's trying to explain that to me because he thinks I don't don't watch The Office and Michael Scott, but he's so wrong because I definitely watch <laughs> you do, The okay. Office. Who's Michael Scott? Michael Scott's in The Office. He's the world's best boss. Oh, the guy. He's the lead character. Name? Carvel, oh. Carnell. Carvel, Steve Carvel, Carvel, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, he plays him. Okay, he has a real Michael Scott attitude. I know there there were things I did that caused our issue, but he was forced to resign after the way he tried to illegally fire me. He resigned the same week I did. I don't want to share any of the the gory details with colleagues, but I I do want to warn others who might have to work with him. Our field of work is rather small, and I wish people had warned me about him. When I do talk about it, I try to name my bias, try to name my bias and explain it's just one side of the story. I could also say no comment when they ask, but I feel that that's not actually helpful for folks who will have to work with him. What do y'all think? Like what, how should he handle this scenario given what happened? Yeah, no, so like when he's, so it's a small industry 
and everyone kind of knows each other and people go, hey, you used to work for Fred, didn't you? And, and you're not there anymore, what happened? Oh, yeah, yeah, I understand. And so they're gonna meet Fred and he has to walk the balance of not wanting to just like be talking smack about someone because that never looks good and it's not the right thing to do. They're not mm-hmm. there to defend themselves. And at the same time, like if someone's saying, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about going to work for Fred, he wants to at least give him enough of a heads up that yeah. the people don't go there and then they're like, dude, why don't you tell me about this guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, <clears throat> uh, well, for the one thing that makes me a little bit nervous He's like, I know there were things I did that caused our issue. You know what I mean? Like, it's sort of as if taking ownership with a butt on the end of it. You know what I mean? Um, You know, the guy's not outwardly mean or abusive. Well, if he's not outwardly, and he's just narcissistic and petty, cool. I can build, build a relationship with that person and get things worked out. And, uh, you know, I can figure out how to make this work. But that's already done. We've already moved beyond that. So here's the kind of thing that I would do. In a situation like this, I would explain what I did wrong. So, you know, the guy was a micromanager. I'd say, you know what? I really don't think I did a good job keeping Echo informed because, you know, Echo really likes to know what's happening. Mm -hmm. And I'm more used to kind of doing my own thing. And I just didn't do a good job of keeping him informed. Or, hey, you know, I just didn't really develop a good relationship with him over time. I, I was focused on just the kind of the job and he, he's the type of person that likes to hang out more and I just didn't hang out with him enough and didn't really build that relationship. Or with a guy that's narcissistic and petty, um, you know, I don't think I did a good job taking what he said. I took a lot of what he said. I would take it very personally and he's the type of guy, if you're taking things personally when he's kind of you know throwing jabs at you, It'll get you frustrated. I should have done a better job developing a thicker skin. So I think if you advise people on the shortfalls you had, legitimate shortfalls that you had, and picture that you had to go and work for Fred again and what you would have to do to fix it, and then tell people, you know, if, yeah, you know, the, the thing with Fred is I didn't do a good job of. He makes a lot of petty comments and I let them get under my skin. He seems to be focused on himself all the time and my own ego flared up when I'd see him trying to take credit for stuff. So that's what I would do. I think that's the best case policy. You're right, if you feel bad about talking badly about someone that's not there and that's still in the industry, you're right. Because number one, it's guaranteed to get back to him. It's gonna get back to him. And number two, they're not there to defend themselves. And number three, you are, you are only one side of the story. And you were at fault at some level for all of this. And in fact, if you really wanna take extreme ownership, it's your fault that you couldn't build up his ego, put your own ego in check, you know, be a little bit more thick-skinned with the things he was saying to you. So that's what I would do. That's how I would handle it. Take ownership of it and then explain to people what you did wrong so that they can do a little soul-searching themselves and see if they're gonna be able to work through those issues and be able to handle the kind of things that Fred does. That's my recommendation. But good job not wanting to talk smack. That won't get you anywhere. You ever had someone like give you the heads up about somebody? Real heartfelt and emotional. Heads up about somebody and then you find out like <laughs> that they're kind of cool. Oh yeah. 
and then you're kind of like, wait a second. And you, uh, sometimes the person that was giving you the heartfelt heads up is actually the jacked up person. That's what it ends up feeling like. A yeah. lot of times that's the case because the person that is, that's willing to be like, hey, Echo, let me tell you about Fred. Yeah. It's like, okay. I'm already like a little bit suspect of what you're saying. <laughs> Right? Yeah. I mean, unless we have a very good relationship. Yeah, and even then, you'll be like, hey, man, I, I don't want to cloud your vision on this thing, but mm-hmm. I, I gotta, let me just give you a couple heads up of where I failed with Fred. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? That's yeah. way, it's a way better approach. Yeah, or if, or like if you're like, so if I'm trying to think, like you would, like let's say if there was someone, if you were going to bring someone into like a, an established group or mm-hmm. something, then I would think like, and you you were the only one that knew him or something like this. Mm-hmm. Then if you were to say, "Hey, this guy is X Y Z," and you could it could be bad news, good news, whatever. I would pro- I wouldn't think anything of you saying that. Yeah, yeah. Like because it's appropriate, you know. Right. Where it's like, but if you're just sort of my friend, and then some new guy or whatever, some guy that you yeah had yeah. If we with, if we had a team and we were like going to hire somebody that I had worked with in the yes. past and you had never worked with him, I'd yeah. be like, hey man, let me tell you what my experience was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah that makes yeah. sense. Next question. In an appropriate way. Yes, sir. I'm currently pregnant and my husband is military and his MOS causes him to be gone quite often. This is our first kid and I'm wondering, I guess what I can do. And I'm wondering, I guess what, I can do to help our kid and my husband's relationship stay strong with him being away so often. Also, what to say when he is away and why he's away. I've heard other military kids talk about having a lot of resentment towards the parent who deployed often, and I absolutely do not want to hear, want that from my kid. I want my husband to go after his career goals without having to feel guilty about home life. And I know that I will play a big role in how our child thinks about him. Cool. Well, first of all, thanks for your service out there holding down the home front. Um, Good news. Men have been deploying for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And by the way, the deployments we do now are shorter than what guys used to do. They used to get on a ship and sail to the new world and they'd be gone for two and a half years, right? And they'd go to war. Well, even World War II, we didn't start bringing guys home after a short period of time until Korea. World War II, guys were going on deployment for two years, three years, gone. Hey, I'll, I'm gone. I'll see you in three years. I'll see you when we win the war. So don't think that this is some weird uh, sociological thing that's going to be so terrible for your kids. Kids have been dealing with this really positively for thousands of years. So don't worry about that. Uh, Be supportive of your husband, obviously. And it sounds like you are looking to do that because you're asking this question. What can you handle on the home front? My wife was awesome on the home front. I didn't worry about anything on the home front. And, and I'm not just talking like, oh, she did the laundry. No, she handled the bills. She handed the taxes. She handled the maintenance. You know, water heater broke down. She was the one that was getting that handled. So all those things, and you probably heard me talk about this before, the, one of the reasons that I think my wife and I have been very uh, successful in our marriage is that my wife is not emotionally dependent. So... She's an independent person, you know, and look, it's, can that go too far? Yep. And I saw plenty of guys, that, their wife was so emotionally dependent that she didn't need to be around anymore. <laughs> so that's not what I'm saying. But 
to say that my wife, you know, she didn't need me to be there all the time because I wasn't going to be. Uh, so just be supportive, you know, and, and it's just like it's just like any other team that's got a, got problems to solve or got a, ta- a mission to do. You know, Echo and I, we are a team. Echo presses record. Echo edits the audio. Echo uploads it. That's what Echo does. I prep the material. That's what that's what I do. You know how many times I've uploaded the podcast? Zero. Zero times. You know how many times I've edited it? Zero times. You know how many times Echo has prepped? Zero times. Have you prepped ever? No, zero times. So you got your team. And there's gonna be things and and it's not there's not there's not any part that's more important than the other part. I do the prep. If I do the prep and I can't upload the video or I can't upload the audio, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, it's worthless. If your husband's doing a great job at work, but the home front's falling apart, it's worthless. So you are a team, you're equal part of the team, and you both have your jobs to do. And that's how my wife and I ran the business of the home life. So I, that, that should cover what we're doing with the husband. Um, as far as the kid, look, tell the kid the truth about what's happening. You, you, deployment and going to work is how America stays free. Your dad is a warrior. Warriors fight wars. Warrior, warriors defend us. So when he understands that that's why we are allowed to live in peace here, that's why our country isn't have you know people with machine guns walking down the streets, it's because our dad, your dad, is doing the right thing. He's a warrior. And then you also gotta explain this. The, your, your dad is doing what he's doing for us. He's not doing it because he wants, he's, he's not going on deployment because he's like, oh, I'm super excited to go on deployment. He's not going on deployment to get away from you. If he could stay home, he would. But he has a job, and his job is very important. Not only does his job allow us to buy food, not only does his job allow us to have a house, not only does his job allow us to have medical care, not only does his job allow us to have money to pay for, for your toys, on top of all that, your dad's job keeps this whole country free. So that's what we're gonna tell the kid, and that is the truth. So we tell the kid the truth. And then, you know, look, communication, and this is gonna be tricky on deployment. Sometimes guys can't call back from deployment. So you got a bunch of different mediums. You know, video calls when you can. Video recordings. What I like about video recordings better than FaceTime or better than any of these other, look, we, FaceTime wasn't around when I was in, but what I like about video recordings is they're permanent. Like you have that record. And you trust me, you're gonna look back in five years, 10 years, 15 years, all this stuff, having it documented is awesome. So writing letters, awesome. Writing emails, awesome. Te- all that stuff. Bunch of different communication when, when your husband's away. Now you said this, people resenting their, their dads. From my perspective, if you don't resent your husband, your kids won't resent him either. If you're proud of your husband, your kids will be proud of them, of their, of their dad. You know, this happens when people go through divorce and when one one of the parents talks horribly about the other parent and it really messes up the kids and the kids believe what the parent says. So if you don't resent your husband and you treat your husband with respect and you're proud of what your husband's doing, your kids are gonna feel the same way. 
They are learning from you. They're going to emulate you. So, so keep that in mind. And you're off to a great start. Um, thank you. Well, I started start off by saying thank you for your service. The, the families of military are the unsung heroes. So thank you for what you're doing on the home front, taking care of the family, taking care of the kid, taking care of the water heater, and whatever else goes wrong. Thank you. Next question. I really got, I recently got onto a fire department at 28 years old and after four years in the, in the making of EMT, fire and paramedic school. I spent almost three years on an ambulance during this time for, for experience as most of the fire department is now medical calls. <laughs> Rookies are often told to sit down and shut up while also being told to ask questions possible to make, make sure you understand. Sometimes you're told to try to fit in and others not to even attempt to tell a joke for the first six months. What's your best rookie advice for a career such with such a history of strong tradition? <clears throat> Look, I mean, w- welcome to being a new guy. That's awesome. Be f- stoked that you're in an organization that has like cool traditions and, you know, like, hey, they're, they're, that's, that's all good stuff. Uh, as far as what is my best rookie advice for a career? Well, I get asked this question so much that I have written a book about it, and it's on page 157 and 158 of book, Leadership Strategy and Tactics. In case you don't have that book, be humble. It's an honor to be in a leadership position. Your team is counting on you to make the right decisions. Don't act like you know everything you don't. The team knows that. Ask smart questions. Number three, listen. Ask for advice and heed it. Number four, treat people with respect. Up and down the chain of command. Number five, take ownership of failures and mistakes. Number six, pass credit for success up and down the chain. Number seven, work hard. Number eight, have integrity. Number nine, be balanced. Extreme actions and opinions are usually not good. And by the way, on, on have integrity, the sub, I'm not reading this whole thing, but have integrity, do what you say, say what you do. Don't lie up or down the chain of command. We did the last podcast about lying in trust. Number nine, be balanced. Extreme op- actions and opinions are usually not good. Number 10, be decisive. When it's time to make a decision, make one, and you do that with the iterative decision-making process, which is also in this book. Number 11, build relationships. That's what you're trying to do, build relationships. And lastly, get the job done. You wanna get a good reputation as a rookie, get the job done. That's what we need to do. So that's what it is. Uh, One thing I sensed a little bit in this is four years in the making. EMT, fire and paramedic school. So you kind of feel like, bro, I paid my dues kind of. Mm -hmm. And plus you're 28 years old and that's kind of old. You know, you've got some experience in life. And now all of a sudden you're getting told to sit down and shut up. You know what I would do if I got told to sit down and shut up? I would sit down and shut up. Cool. Yep, got it. I'm not getting offended. Don't let anything get under your skin. Don't take anything personally. If you uh, here you want to you want to get a spotlight and you want to get more unwanted attention when they tell you to sit down and shut up say hey I've been through EMT school dude No, you just look weak man. So don't let that happen. Just you want me to sit down and shut up? Cool. Got it boss. Thanks. Yep. Actually, I probably wouldn't even say that. I'd probably just sit down and shut up. Mm-hmm. Want me to ask questions? Cool. I'm asking questions. You want me to sit down and shut up and ask questions? I'm going to hesitate a little bit and make sure I have a really good question before I ask one. If I have a good question, then I'll ask it. There's another contradictory statement that they told me to be in here. 
try and fit in and not even tell a joke. I would err on the side of not telling a joke. I would err on the side of not telling a joke. Can't, can't take those bullets out of your mouth. Those bullets that come out of your mouth, once they come out of your mouth, you can't bring them back. Your sense of humor that you don't know what it is yet. So you don't know what their sense of humor is. So just be quiet. Work your ass off. Do a good job. Be a good sport. Don't get frustrated. Don't get pissed off. Put your ego in check, and you're going to be good to go, man. So don't tell jokes. Take jokes. Take them. Yep. Yep. Ha ha. Funny. <clears throat> Next question. Currently, I'm on the university rugby team as the backup scrum half, equivalent to the backup quarterback in football. I played the sport since I was nine and really love the game and want the starting spot, but don't really know how to navigate there. I appreciate any advice you guys have. Sorry if that's too general. <laughs> um, I mean, look, I don't know much about rugby other than the one time I tried playing it. I got Sorry. like, it seemed like this is a hazard, bro. <laughs> is this a is a hazard. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I was like, what? And I was young. I, I think I tried playing it one time when I was like 17 or something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I just got like annihilated. And then I went to a game not too long ago, maybe a year or two ago, the San Diego Aztecs. And I had pretty good seats. And every play, I was like, I was like shuddering. Like every play, it looks like I was thinking I would have been so hurt right there. So, and I'm pretty, like you you like to tell me that I'm a durable human, you know? Sure. But man, when I watch these guys collide, I'm like, dude. So, badass, rugby, awesome. Um, What would I do in this? So I don't know a lot about it, but here's what I can tell you. In life, including the the rookie firefighter we just talked to, what do you do to get promoted? What do you do to get the spot? Work hard. Work harder than anybody else. Practice more than anybody else. Train harder than anybody else. I remember when I, I lived in Coronado. California for a while sure. for about a long a long while <laughs> we lived right across from the high school Coronado high yep. school yep and there was a kid one summer who was out there every day you ever seen the and he was trying to play basketball because we there was like a basketball court but there was also a field it was a good spot yeah you ever seen those shoes that help your jumping because yeah, orthopedic jumping shoes yeah. or whatever. Yeah, 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 the yeah. weird the like weird platform toe. on the front. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's out there every day. Yeah. Working, training, getting after it. And like we could see him visibly progress to where in the beginning of summer he couldn't dunk at the end of summer he could dunk. That's Think pretty about short. That. That's yeah. huge, right? Yeah. yeah. That's huge. And so that's what I think of here. Like you want to get good, you want to get that number 1 spot, what can you do? How can you make yourself that much better? How can you focus your training in rugby? I don't know what it is because I don't know rugby. Is it being able to sprint that 40 quicker? Is it being able to hit harder? Is it being able to throw the ball? Or how do they pass the ball? They call it something else. In rugby, I don't lateral. know the term. You lateral the pass. You lateral. Because you're not allowed to throw it forward. Okay. So you lateral it. Right? So get good at that how about kicking that damn thing i know you got to kick it sometimes too <laughs> we got all kinds of craziness <laughs> going on with your rugby fools yes. right yes. boom you're kicking it forward yeah. you're, so what can you do to get better at that and maybe some specific type training 
Like there's some things that you can do. You ever notice that? There's some little things you can do that just will make you good. Yeah. Make you exponentially better at a certain type of thing. Mm. You know? So that's the kind of thing I would focus on. Very specific training. Figure out what could be your little niche thing to improve a lot on and get better at that better at that now on top of all that support the team right 100% support the team and do what's good for the team not what's good for you is bad it doesn't sound I got no indication of that but you love the game you want the starting spot you love the game and you want the team to win right and if you're in the starting spot because you deserve it, awesome. If the other person is gonna help you win better, you want the other person in the role. You ever heard the term role player in basketball? Do they say that in football too? Role player. Like that guy's a role player. You ever heard that before? No, not that specific, but if you're talking about the same, like what, the practice squad? Like the No, in basketball, there's like a role player. Maybe he's a really good rebounder. Oh. Maybe he's a really good defender. Mm. Maybe he's a really good like point guard. Mm-hmm. But, or he's just like a hustler. Mm. Like this guy just hustles. Go out and just create turnovers for the other team. So they're not maybe going to be the star of the team, but they are a role player. They got a role to play. And they do it to the best of their ability. So if you end up being a role player, who knows what that role could be? Because again, Mm. I don't know about rugby. But figure out where your role is and excel at it. That being said, I mean, if, you, if you're that close, if you're the number two, you probably can figure some things out to get you to number one. <laughs> so that's what I would do. That's what I would do. Um, practice, work hard, stay humble, support the team, and you'll end up in the right spot. Might it be the number one spot? I think good chance. Might it be the number two spot? Yeah, could be. Guess what? Right on. Be the best number two backup quarterback, uh, backup half scrum, scrum half in the world. That's what I would do. But remember Steve Young? He was a quarterback, and he was second string to Joe Montana back in our day. And you know Steve Young ended up being like one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. But, yeah, sometimes it's like that where, like, this guy's probably good, super good, you know, Mm -hmm. but he's just, like, one small little element away from – you know, from being the starting guy and doing, yeah. you know, basically achieving everything you want to achieve. Bro, have you seen like Tom Brady's what he's doing? Not he currently, just, no. No, he's not having a great season. But like, if you watch what the way he trains, the way he lives his life, yeah, is a hundred percent football. For real? Oh yeah, hundred percent football. It's crazy. He, but he, like the things I'm talking about, he does that, but for like nine different elements of the game. Yeah, yeah. You know, what you're saying, he's yeah. like, oh, I gotta get my my uh, pull back faster. So he'll like exercise that thing. You yeah. know? I gotta get my follow through stronger. I gotta get my grip strength better. Like all these little things. Yeah. And he just boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And gets really good. Yeah. Yeah, that Obviously. makes sense. The Yeah, just the element of like quarterback and I don't know what the scrum half does. But um, yeah, the quarterback, it's like a big part of it that I always like, I was wide receiver, so we had a specific relationship with a quarterback. Mm-hmm. So the way they passed, obviously, was that was but the less obvious one was like something that I guess it was kind of tangible. Where if this quarterback was reliable, where he would know the plays, like certain quarterbacks just have this innate way to just read the field, mm-hmm. and even before the play and during the play. 
So if you could be one of those guys who's so reliable when the play is started as a quarterback, or whatever, and you can navigate through you know uh, unplanned stuff or planned stuff um, as a quarterback reliably, the kind where you don't mess up really, even if you're not like the most awesome quarterback, you just don't mess up. You're just that reliable. Oh man, it goes a long way. But it, yeah, you'd have to find those little elements to train though. So you yeah. train them every like basketball is a little bit more obvious, right? So it's like okay, I'm just gonna do a jump shot, freaking yep. every ten seconds, or you know, I'm gonna do a thousand, a thousand jump, jump shots, shots a day. or whatever. Yep. Yeah, and it's like okay, you know, where you get so good at jump shots, it's like bro, I'm so confident I'm gonna make every jump shot because yep. I know I do it a thousand times. You know, it's like it's more obvious, yeah, yep. but. It's the same concept. But right yeah, there. like in football, it seems like there'd be some physical things you could do to prep for games, or yeah. prep for the season where you're just like, you just get that little edge, you know? Yeah, I feel like rugby's freaking, but I just lift some weights. Definitely seems like lift being strong, but I don't know how much that stands out in that melee that's going on, especially for a guy that's the equivalent of a of a quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. So quarterback, you're not like, hey, the best thing you could do is lift. Now, if you already, so I think it's like, oh, there's some other skills that you could probably yeah. parse out and be, I'm gonna be really good at these three things, and here's three specific things I can do to get better at them. Yeah, bro, I did um like a like a mini documentary for the Gold Coast Titans. It's an Australian team, rugby league. Mm. And it was it was about jiu-jitsu and cuz they would train jiu-jitsu to help their rugby. Mm-hmm. Um with this guy uh Jason Robig is his last name, mm-hmm. black belt under Hickson, by the way, in the Gold Coast. So that was that was crazy, man. We went to the game and everything, and you're right. It is rough. It's, like, yeah. But their star player of the whole like town was this little aboriginal dude. He was small. Mm-hmm. He was probably like 5'7", hey. 155. And the, the, uh, keep in mind, fast. And, he, and part of what we were interviewing him about was like the thing that helps him so much is, of course, being fast. But the part, the, the individual element was after he gets tackled, how quickly he could get up. And he explained why that is and all, all this stuff, but it was weird how, just how quickly he could get up. Mm-hmm. And he's like, jujitsu taught me so much about that, how to get up. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I never would have thought that. Echo Charles recommends this this scrum half, backup yeah. scrum half. Is that jujitsu? That jujitsu. But Jason Robig would teach specific, it was like a curriculum yeah. specifically because uh, he played rugby as well. Jason Robig did. So he had a, he had a, like a, um, a program mm-hmm. for, the, for the Titans. But anyway. Yeah, it, you, you're right about the lifting weights because this guy, like I said, he was he was fast and everything, but he wasn't. Probably his teammates were like freaking six five, like these huge guys, you know. So it's like, yeah, there's gonna be some skill there that that you gotta practice specifically. Check. Well, good luck, dude. Let us know how it goes. And uh, with that, thanks everybody for joining us. Thanks for supporting us. Thanks for being on the underground. This is where we're keeping it real. <laughs> in real life. We'll talk to y'all later. This is Echo and Jocko.